Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. Okay, I am excited to introduce my guest today. He's an expert in financial planning. He's got over 30 years of experience as a wealth manager. He's worked for prestigious firms like Smith Barney and Morgan Stanley. He's been interviewed on TV and radio stations across the country and been featured even in Time Magazine and U.S. News and World Report. He's authored two books, including Forging Bonds of Steel, How to Build a Successful and Lasting Relationship with Your Financial Advisor, And he's also written a book called Fire Your Retirement Planner, You, Concise Advice on How to Join the $1,000 Retirement Club. I am so excited to introduce and welcome Roger Friedman. Hey, Patty. How are you? Doing great. Hey, Roger, I know you live in the D.C. area, so I just got to ask you, did you watch the Nationals game last night? No, as a matter of fact, it it had to take backseat because I drove my daughter to the airport and put her on a plane for Israel last night. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Israel. Wow. Yeah, she she lives there and she was visiting for three weeks. So it was a bittersweet time. And I had to say adieu to the game. Oh, well, probably just as well, because I stayed up till one o'clock last night. So my voice probably sounds a little rough today. That's okay. It's Friday. You can relax a little. Yeah, I just, well, I'm a huge Nats fan. And I mean, this has been every time now they make it to that first, they, you know, win their division and then they make it to that first round of playoffs and then lose at home. I mean, then (laughs) that was heartbreaking. I stayed up and we lost nine to eight, you know, against the Cubs. So, ah. The only good, the only silver lining I have is I have more time now because I will watch very little baseball because I don't really care about any other team other than Nets. <laughs> You're right. It does have a silver lining. Oh, I know because they're long games, you know, three hours long. But anyway, before we start talking and really get into financial planning, I know that you had, your family had a laundry business. So I was just so curious because I have a family business, of course, in real estate with with my husband and my son and my daughter and my niece all working together. So I just got to ask you, what is your fondest memory of working with your family in the laundry business? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I don't know that it was so much work on my part, but there are a couple of things that stand out. I remember that my brother and my sister would, would put me inside of a laundry basket and push me the length of the store which was probably around 200 feet, you know, back toward the washing machines. And they would push me and then, you know, pile laundry, hopefully clean laundry, on top of my head and hide me from my dad. Because my dad would be looking, you know, where's Roger? How come he's not putting the hanger guards on the hangers, you know, so the pants wouldn't get creased? And my grandma, Grandma Rose, paid me a penny a hanger, okay? So, uh, you know, these are great fond memories, but I I remember that I didn't want to be associated with dirty laundry for my working life because during a summer in New York City, right near Times Square, it was 110 degrees in the back of the store with all the hot presses and the washing machines, and I was sweating for 10 hours straight. 
Patty, you don't want to do that kind of work if you can figure out something better. Although it sounds like it was in Manhattan, though. Yes, right next to Times Square. Wow. So, I mean, that that probably, that's some serious real estate right there. <laughs> it, it, it was. And my dad had to end up closing the store simply because our $3,900 a month rent for the storefront went to 11000 a month when the landlord decided he wanted to put a restaurant there instead. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So what year, what year did you close oh that? Oh, my business? gosh. That was in the 70s. Probably 79, 80, maybe. But you worked with then, I mean, even as a little kid, sounds like you got to Every work day with after dad, school, grandma. during the weekends and summer, yes. That's very cool. It's really cool. So your your siblings never put you in the washing machine? <laughs> no, they didn't. They figured I was clean enough. But hey, it gave me my work ethic, Patty. And you know how important work ethic is, especially when you're trying to prepare for the day when you no longer have a paycheck. Absolutely. That's why I'm so excited that you're, you know, that you're here with us today, because I just think that that is the one thing that I know myself, it's it's always on my mind. And once you hit 50, and let alone 40, uh, and you know, you're, you start really thinking about your retirement and God, am I ever going to be able to retire? And how much am I going to need? So I have so many questions to ask you. In fact, go, go right ahead. I'm happy to answer to the best of my knowledge. All right. Well, thank you, Roger. I The first question I got to ask you, and I've got so many, but the first question is, how much money am I going to need when I retire? How do you answer that question for anybody out there? You know, all your all my listeners, what is that figure? Well, you know, that's a fantastic question. And it is very, very personal because the number is different for me, different for you, different from your, your cousin Lenny or Uncle Harry, okay, based on your own budgeting and how much you spend. And there is no perfect number or rule of thumb that I know that actually works well. You know, when you see these commercials with people carrying orange plastic numbers under their arm, like 1.2 million, 800,000, 3 million, it's all nonsense, okay? The point is you have to save aggressively, you have to be intelligent, and you have to strategize. But there's no magic number that I can give you. So, so... Do people, is there like a formula or something that you use as a financial planner if somebody comes in and says, okay, this is how much I make? Say, in fact, what's the average? Average income across the country is what, 50000 Is that right? I, I think it's actually a bit lower. But, you know, what I've tried to get people to do over the years is to get them up to saving 15% of their income. And that is a very, very hard job for most people. A lot of times we start at 3% and I push them to get to three and a half and then four. And then over the years, we get to 10, 11, 12. And once I can get them over 11 or 12%, I'm fairly confident that if they can stick with it for a long period of time, they will accumulate enough money if they invest properly. But if they just speculate or keep the money in a savings account at pert near 0%, that'll work against them. So probably be a good rule of thumb to try to get somebody to tithe for themselves, I guess, right? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And it goes to the old dictum, pay yourself first. 
before you pay your insurance bill, your car bill, your light bill, you know, buying broccoli, pay yourself first into your wealth accumulation account or retirement account. Pay yourself first. Now, if you are an employee working for some for a company, I would imagine, I don't know this for sure, so you have to let me know, it, you know, most companies, I guess maybe if they're big enough, but maybe even small companies will allow you to set aside so that it, you don't even see it, like a certain amount that, that goes into a fund for your retirement or... Right. Many employers, depending on the type of employer, might have a 401k arrangement, profit sharing, 403b arrangement. If you work for a state or local government, a 457 arrangement. There are a number of different employer-sponsored retirement plans that allow you to put in money, either pre-tax or after-tax, to grow for retirement. And many times, the employer might offer a match. Some of them may be small, 1%, 2 or 3%. I've seen matches as high as 10%. Okay, wow. What about somebody like myself uh, that's self-employed? Well, the the self-employed people have a lot of options. There is the personal 401k for the one-person outfit. There's a SEP IRA. Many people do Roth IRAs. And other people just accumulate money in an investment account in tax-advantaged investments to grow over a period of time. Because remember, for the most part, any monies that you put in a retirement plan are generally subject to a, a regulation or a law that says, under most circumstances, if you take the money out before age 59 and a half, you might be subject to a 10% penalty in addition to normal taxation. So, you know, I would guard against putting all your eggs into retirement baskets simply because I have run across many people over the years, Patty, that once they get to retirement age, 95% of their money are in IRAs or 401ks. And every time they go to the dentist to get a root canal, they got to take money out of their IRA and be punished with taxes. You don't want to do that, especially with a root canal. Uh, no, <laughs> you don't want a root canal anyway. <laughs> exactly. So you need to create a balance between monies that are, quote, locked up in retirement accounts and monies that are just in an investment account that you can get to at a moment's notice. Okay. So the differentiation being retirement account versus an investment Okay. Yeah, because when, when you finally retire, you want to be able to manage your taxation in such a way so as to engineer yourself being in a lower tax bracket. And if all your income is coming from Social Security, for example, a pension and or a 401k or IRA, all of that money is taxable. So you want to engineer some ways to get some tax-free money as well. Okay, so... Okay, I I know I've got a SEP IRA, and I maximize the amount that I can do with that. Then I've got a a Roth, and I maximize the amount that my husband and I can do for that. What should I be doing, you know, in addition to that? Because that's what I'm. That's what I always worry about. What else should I be doing? Should I be buying some stocks and bonds? Should I? Now I did buy an investment property this year, and that's one of the things that. Then you'll have to tell me if that, that, you know, and I don't plan on selling it. I plan on renting it out, keeping it as an investment property that will be, you know, 
I can I can have later on, you know, have it paid off and not and just have income that would come in. What what do you think about that strategy? You know, I, I think that there are no wrong strategies except speculation and lottery tickets, you know, but, you know, put those aside for a minute. There really are no wrong strategies. Some people purchase tax liens. Others invest in stocks and bonds or annuities, for example. Others, you know, like yourself, look at residential rental real estate. Others may look at small businesses like running a laundromat in retirement, a coin-operated laundromat. But, you know, I, I was talking to someone yesterday whose brother-in-law retired from a, a corporate gig, and he has 12 rental properties all in two towns. And he putt-putts around in a little golf cart going to each of the rental properties collecting the checks, okay? So I'm, I'm not going to say that's wrong, okay? So there is no one right way to do. What I like to do is to combine many of these things into a blended strategy so that your income is not coming from only one area. Because as you're aware, Patty, in business and in income and in retirement, the worst number is one. You know, getting all your leads from one area, getting all your income from one area. Because what happens if there's a problem with that area? Your income goes down immediately. Oh, yeah. Believe me. I mean, when the real estate, I know that lesson very well. When the real estate market crashed in 2008, not only did you know, my business just totally take a, you know, it was just absolutely horrible, take a total dive. But it also, I had investments in the stock market and I really lost everything. I mean, like, like everybody did, it was just went down to pennies. It was just, I, I can remember, and I'm sure you do too, people literally jumping out of buildings in New York city that were, you know, <laughs> lost off, overnight, lost, you know, massive amounts of wealth. So I know in that now I can recall in 2009, literally, I just was absolutely flat broke. I literally had lost everything. And I can remember making my mortgage payment and just sweating it the next month. Like I literally didn't have enough money for my electric bill. And I was really robbing Peter to pay Paul. I maxed out our credit cards. I can remember we were about $65,000 in debt at that time in 2009. Fast forward today, I mean, we just totally hunkered down back then and rebuilt everything. Just and and really, and so I know all too well not to put everything in one, you know, all your eggs in one basket, and really have. I kind of look at it like spokes in a wheel. Same thing with real estate and 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 prospecting and leads with for your business, regardless of what business you're in. I, I look at it always as spokes in the wheel. Which which you know, you got all these different pipelines. That you're that you're getting sources from, and now I look at that wealth-wise as well. That you know I've had to totally rebuild my business, which thankfully is has just only gone up and in a good place today. Um, so, but I learned that lesson the hard way. Exactly what you're talking about. Just really, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket and relying on one source of income or or whatnot. And and today, boy, I don't I don't. Um, no debt. I'm one of those people that have, I'm debt free. I, I don't carry any debt. Patty, one, one of the things that I've tried to do is to give a lot of valuable ideas to people. So in addition to my wealth management practice in Bethesda, Maryland, I created something called Roger on Retirement. 
And I created a website, rogeronretirement.com, where I put free special reports, articles that I've written, videos to give people ideas and to help them understand some of the issues that they're going to face. So the goal that anyone, you yourself, want to achieve is how do I create a lifestyle sustaining income that grows faster than the rate of inflation? Because you know all well and good that everything you're buying today is more expensive than it was five years ago, okay? So how do you manufacture a growing income in retirement? And rental real estate, for example, or dividend-paying stocks, for example, might be two alternatives that someone may want to look at when figuring out what strategy might I use. And I'll tell you right away, the worst strategy is the do-it-yourself strategy without seeking professional help. Because, Patty, you know, your clients, some of them may be great bulldozer or crane operators. Others may be great pharmacists or chiropractors. But what do they know about crafting a retirement income strategy that literally may have to last for decades? No, that's a Excellent point. I, you know, I hadn't really thought about it that much, to be honest with you, but that's a great point because I know I, I make that point when it comes to selling real estate. A lot of people will say, ah, oh, you know, that looks easy. They probably think that same thing in your, your line of work. They think, oh yeah, I can do that. I, what do I need them to pay them for? And then they find out the hard way. You, you actually cost yourself a lot of money when you don't know what you're doing. No, you're, you're absolutely right. But people get very, very surprised. You know, for example, if you need I don't know, $50,000 of retirement income today. There's something called trendline inflation. And if I look at the rate of inflation in this country for the last 50 or 100 years, it's very close to about 3.2%, which is a bit higher than inflation right now. But if I take that 50000 of retirement income you need today and I put it at trendline inflation, Patty, in 10 years, you're going to need a little bit more than 65 grand to equal the same purchasing power of 50 today. If you're lucky enough to live 20 years, you'll need almost 88 grand. Here's the question. What is your strategy to deal with that? So when you work with someone, when you work with a client and they come in and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, you sit down and go over all of their, you map that out with them? How does that work? Everything is mapped out, but let me come back a little. Remember, we were talking about the idea of professional help. So I'm of the mind that when you're thinking about working toward a strategy in retirement, by all means, get professional help. For example, my team, we have a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, chartered retirement plans specialist, and myself, I'm a chartered retirement planning counselor. So I caution that people should not just rely, for example, on Fred the stockbroker, who was able to buy them 100 shares of XYZ at 20 and was genius enough to sell it at 39. What got you there is not going to get you to where you need to go. You want to hire credentialed expertise that has experience in dealing with people like you. And Patty, I don't mean that if you're a dry cleaner, 
you need a dry cleaning financial planner, or if you're a chemist, you need a chemistry financial planner. But basically, if you have a child with special needs, or if you're married with three kids, you don't want to get financial planners that only deal with single people, okay? So you want to deal with people that know the type of situation that you're in. And there's so much about retirement planning that you don't know. You may be very, very good at what you do, but that doesn't mean you know about this. You don't have that skill set. So by all means, interview and hire a team that you feel comfortable with because this is so complicated. One person cannot know it all. That's why I say go for a team. Yeah, and I, I would think also that because things change all the time, just uh, regulation, taxes. Now, now you know, there's a lot of talk, obviously, of, of, of tax reductions coming, tax cuts. Who knows what that's all going to look like? So everything changes all the time so much. I would imagine you need somebody that really has that expertise to keep up with all those changes and we how they're going to impact what it's you. Look like. And you know that in your own practice, you may be an expert in condos, for example, but that doesn't mean that you're great with office buildings or apartment buildings or single family homes. So everyone can really dive into their own specialty. That's why so much of dealing with finance and real estate and financial planning, that's why you want people that have expertise and experience and focus. Can you give us an example of either the worst retirement advice you've heard or an example of someone who you saw that, wow, they had they had just really had the worst, absolute worst retirement plan? <laughs> well, you know, I, I have a lot to draw on, on that because I've been doing this for about 35 years. But I remember during the tech bubble, a prospect came in and said, you know, I'm all taken care of. I got the perfect portfolio. I really don't need your help, but I'll let you look at my portfolio because I'm proud of what I bought. And I'm listening to him saying, okay, this is someone who probably is not as diversified as he thinks he is. So he showed me a portfolio that was divided among five different brokerage houses. So it wasn't even all under supervision of one team. It was all under supervision of many different people. And as he showed me each of the statements, I saw all of the overlapping positions. For example, if he owned a technology or fiber optic company at brokerage company A, it was in the account of B, C, D, and E as well. And I looked at his portfolio. It was all telecommunications, technology, and internet. And he had around 15 different companies. And in his mind, he was diversified. In my mind, he was extraordinarily poorly diversified. And you remember what you said, what happened in 2008 and 2007, Patty, when your stock portfolio fell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. It was painful. His fell and then some because he was greedy. And I won't name the names of the companies that went out of business or went from $87 a share to $2 a share. Those names are ingrained in everyone's mind, and I don't need to, you know, say them on this recording. But suffice to say that his portfolio was down almost 85%. 
and he learned a very, very valuable lesson of what diversification is not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the hard way. Yeah, so if you're someone, for example, that has a variety of rental properties where you're not over-mortgaged, and let's say you own an annuity, let's say you own municipal tax-free bonds or corporate bonds and dividend-paying stocks, and a variety of different investments that react differently during times of boom and bust, high interest rates and low interest rates, high oil and low oil, then all of your investments won't be doing the same thing at the same time. And that's diversification. So what would you, so is that one of the biggest mistakes that people make is not diversifying enough? Absolutely. They literally put all their eggs in one basket and they're betting on that basket. And my first question is always, what if you're wrong? And then it's the air in the headlights. Yeah. Is is another mistake besides that, that just like literally not planning at all, just not doing anything? Yeah. A, a lack of strategy. So you will either have a plan for your future or Patty, you're going to reluctantly be part of someone else's plan for your future. And winging it is not a plan, okay? I would implore everyone listening that go find a team of financial planning professionals that you feel comfortable with, that you have chemistry with, and work together to create a strategy. Because the earlier you do that, the better. And if you're a 50-year-old woman or a 50-year-old man, you best get started this week because time is running out. You know, if I have, for example, uh, 12 years to retirement, that's 144 months, 288 paychecks. And every time it ticks down one more paycheck, I'm closer to my last paycheck where I have to manufacture a synthetic one. And that's not easy because look at 80% of the country. 80% of the country is always worried about money, always has money problems, and or they're in debt. You don't want to be part of that 80%. No, definitely not. I mean, that's, I, I just look at my own life, you know, family, friends, clients, you know, listening to what people talk about. You know, the average person, you know, they may have, if they're an employee, then they have, you know, some kind of 401k and, and then they're relying on Social Security. You're, you're exactly right, Patty. But there's one other issue, and I would be remiss if I didn't speak about it, because we kind of gloss over it. Many of us have health care through work. Some people have the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare in their corner, which is costing a bit more than they thought it would. But the, the biggest frightening truth of retirement other than inflation is healthcare expenses. And I read a Fidelity report about a year ago that said that a 65-year-old couple retiring in 2016 would need an estimated $260,000 to cover healthcare expenses in retirement. And that did not include the cost of long-term care, okay? So if that's not enough to frighten you onto the path of creating a strategy with professionals 
and not trying to wing it, I don't know what will. I definitely, I know all too well about Obamacare just because I am self-employed. Uh, that That is what, you know, what I have, to be honest with you, because I don't have an employer that, that that's offered, you know, I, that I have that option. So as a self-employed person, I was, I don't know if you recall this, but when back when the, everything was enacted, the ACA uh, came about, that was probably six or seven years ago now, whenever initially started, I was in that first 5 million people that got booted off my health insurance at that time because it was not ACA compliant. And so I was, you know, up until then, I was, you know, very uh, nice and happy, always had health insurance, always paid for my own health insurance as an, you know, as a self-employed person. And then, so then I get, you know, booted off and then I have, then I got forced to go on Obamacare and I have Blue Cross Blue Shield through Obamacare. And last October, I got my October surprise in the mail. My premium went from, it was about 950, went all the way up to 1500 and some change. My deductible, I forget what it was. It was like I don't know, about nine grand, I think a year went up to $13,100, not, you know, as, as the family deductible. Yeah. And it was just John and I. And so I I was, I took a picture of it and I literally put it on my Facebook and I I had like, I don't, I mean, thousands and thousands of people shared it and so many comments that I, I couldn't even read them all. And literally I had a few people that were, it was interesting to read the, the comments that people had because a lot of times people, I would, and I'm assuming this, and maybe you can correct me, but I'm assuming that most people must get their health insurance through their employer, so they don't know what Obamacare really is. They don't know what it is to be self-employed and have to be on Obamacare plan and have these premiums and these deductibles of which nothing's ever covered. All I do is pay. So, uh, and, you know, and it went up 60% last year, and I got a notice already for this year that it's going to skyrocket again, that it's going to go up another you know, 50% or so is what, what my understanding is so far. And I'm waiting for it to come in the mail any day now. And, I've, and see I've what heard so are. many of these horror stories, Patty. You know, I know people that for their family plan, they're now paying $1,950 a month. That's more than their mortgage. I talked to people in Arizona. There were four providers about two years ago. There's now one provider because all of these insurance companies that I read about, they're losing hundreds of millions of dollars in these plans and they are withdrawing. Now, I'm not smart enough to know what the best healthcare options are for people, but you know, my sense is talk with people that are very, very familiar with this and don't try and go it alone. You know, that, that's the biggest thing that I could tell anyone because, again, you may be a great crane operator. What do you know about this? Yeah, that's that's true. And, in fact, I think it's today, if I'm not mistaken, that there's going to be an executive order, I guess, that will change some things regarding Obamacare. So I'll be very curious to keep up with that and, and see what how that will impact me. But it's... Um, but I, I, t- I can tell you one thing. I don't, you know, in fact, last year I can remember my husband saying, oh, just take the penalty. We don't, this, we're not paying that. We're not going to pay $1,000 a month and then have a $13,000 deductible and nothing's ever covered. All we're doing is paying. And I said, no, I don't want to do that because to me, even if, even just catastrophic, like you were just saying, how much it's going to cost. If I, if, if either one of us were in a car accident or had 
cancer all of a sudden, you know, and then you have massive bills. Well, then, okay, that $13,000 deductible is, you know, is going to be. The problem is a lot of what's going on now fails the test of reasonableness. And I've never been a politician. I never want to be a politician. But my sense is that what they think is reasonable and what you think is reasonable, there's a bit of a chasm there, kind of like the Grand Canyon. But, you know, if I could help anyone, the website that I created, rogeronretirement.com, and Roger is spelled R-O-D-G-E-R, you know, I have a free special report, the 12 keys to successful retirement planning your parents didn't teach you. If any of the information that I have there could help anyone, a lot of it is free. Go to the website and download the free information. That is just such a great, yeah, that 12 keys to a successful retirement, that your, the report that you wrote, I think is just fantastic. I think that's really going to help a lot of people. So if they go to your rogeronretirement.com and it's, like you said, it's R-O-D-G-E-R. I think your parents, what, what did they do that just so they, you'd have to say that <laughs> the rest of your life? And everyone spells my name wrong and it's all Donna's fault. You know, I blame it on my sister. <laughs> I can relate. My last name is, uh, I, you know, I've got that weird E in there that's silent. Just Yeah, you do. And every time I look for you on my email, I spell your name wrong. Yeah, I, so I totally relate to that. <laughs> So, and I'll, and I'll put that on my Pitbull Patty Facebook, my pitbullpatty.com website. I will have uh, your, your link there for your website so that listeners can go grab that report, give you a call or, or call around whoever. If, if I can not be in a resource, area. I'm more than happy to help. So I got to ask you before we wrap up, what's the best advice anyone has ever given you? Oh boy. <sighs> Don't date at work. <laughs> I didn't because you'll that. have to see them every day if it doesn't work out. <laughs> and you know something? I violated that advice when I was single, much to my detriment. <laughs> so you learned that advice the hard way. It sounds yes, like. ma'am. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, two more questions. Share with us what is one personal habit that you do every day that you feel contributes to your success? Well, I try to read, no, not try. I read 30 minutes a day in my industry and 30 minutes of personal development. So that's an hour a day, 30 hours a month. And the point is that there are so many people that don't do that. And I feel that I'm a bit head and shoulders above them because I have knowledge that they don't have and I keep trying to sharpen the saw, making myself more valuable to my clients, more valuable to myself and my family. That's awesome. No, definitely. I think people don't read enough and they should. Oh, absolutely. You know, people have big TVs, but no libraries. Yeah. Oh God, that's true. Believe me, I go in houses every day. And in fact, the TVs are massive sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there's not a single book anywhere. No, no, not even a Kindle. <laughs> Just a bunch of cell phones. <laughs> the, I, I want to know what is, in addition to your two books, what is a, a great book that you would recommend listeners read? Hmm, there, there are actually so many. I would tell you that there is a great book by David Darst. D-A-R-S-T. And it's called 
the little book that saves your assets. Say that very carefully. Now, I know David. He was the chief investment strategist for Morgan Stanley. Now, I spent 30 years at Morgan Stanley and their predecessor firms, starting E.F. Hutton, Shearson, Smith, Barney, and then Morgan Stanley. I quit back in 14. But David Darst, who's written over a dozen books, is one of the brightest people when it comes to asset allocation. And asset allocation is simply how you divide your assets to protect them from volatility. And the book is very small. It's about 120 pages, and it's written for the layman, not for the professional. But David Darst does a mass, masterful job of telling you what you need to know that others have not told you. Well, that's perfect. I like that, that you said that it's in layman's terms. And it's purple. How, how could you not like a purple book? <laughs> True. (laughs) (laughs) Women will like that, definitely. There you go. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Roger. You have been a terrific guest, and I think you will inspire a lot of the listeners out there to to really think about that and and pick up the phone, give you a call, give another financial planner a call to really plan for retirement and, and get on it today. And the older you are, the more important it is. So I really, really appreciate that. You're very welcome. And if they want to email me, if they have a question, Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, Roger at RogerOnRetirement.com. Okay. And it's Roger with a D, R-O-D-G-E-R. Yes, ma'am. All right. And and your books, can they be bought on Amazon or how do they? They, they could be bought on my website or Amazon, Forging Bonds of Steel. That's how to have a successful relationship with your financial advisory team. The second book, Fire Your Retirement Planner, you, and that's if you're the amateur in charge of your own retirement, you really do have to fire yourself. In January and February, my third book comes out, The Mindset of Retirement Success. Look for that on Amazon. Cool. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. That wraps up this episode of the Pitbull Patty Show. And remember, Take time to create a master plan for your life and take charge of it because people who fail to plan, plan to fail. If you like what we're doing here, get off that treadmill and just get to your phone and click and review, send a review. That's great. That really helps the show and subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And we'll see you next time. 